Hello, and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by The Daily Gopher. I am Chris Goayufer. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Guy 05. Howdy, everybody. And the blog's very own Bobby Fisher, U Street. Hey, y'all. This is uh, an interesting evening we've got here just before we sat down to record the pod. Uh, the United States national team, soccer, uh, really just pulled the most Minnesota thing ever and managed to not qualify for the World Cup when all they had to do is draw Trinidad and Tobago. So if you're feeling bad about yourself because Minnesota lost to Maryland and lost to Purdue, just it could be so much worse. And if you're a Minnesota fan who is also a U.S. national team fan, well, Minnesota is the team that should be making you happier right now. We'll get more into that. Uh, but rather than go right to football, because really, do we want to do that? We're going to go to uh, Andy and we're going to ask him some questions about the hockey team. Just give us a quick recap of your thoughts from the weekend. Well, it was another mostly disappointing weekend, which, you know, it just sort of goes along with the theme. Uh, the men's hockey team had another shot to play Duluth in the opener of the Icebreaker Classic up in Duluth and once again lost in overtime. Um, so that's now eight straight games against UMD that Minnesota has not won, which is pretty pathetic. Um, they did bounce back and shut out Union to take third place in the Icebreaker Classic on Saturday. Uh, Eric Shehorn got his ninth career shutout, moves him into third place all time in Gopher history, only four behind uh, Kellen Briggs and Adam Wilcox. So I think there's a fairly decent chance he may actually hold the all-time record in shutouts by the time this season's over. But, uh, yeah, Gophers losing to UMD, a little disappointing. And uh, if you want to talk about really disappointing, the women's team, uh, they've really had a rough start to the season. They uh, hosted Merrimack and split with them, and Merrimack finished ninth in Hockey East last year. It's not good. And then Ohio State came in for the first WCHA series of the year and uh, beat them and then beat the Gophers in a shutout. So uh, Minnesota hockey, so far, off to a bit of a slow start. Do you think Shearhorn's going to be the solution at goalie all season long for, for the men? Well, he will be at least until the beginning of December because their backup, who arguably could be a backup, Matt Robson, the kid who's coming in from, uh, he played at Penticton in British Columbia last year, which is where the Riley brothers played uh, before coming to the U. And it's a really good league, and he was the MVP of that league. He's from tr the uh, Toronto area, so it's our first Canadian player in over 10 years, I think. I think the 05-06 team was the last team that had a Canadian on it. Uh, he has a chance to be pretty good from all outward views. We'll actually see what happens when he gets here and gets on the ice. But uh, he is ineligible until early December uh, because he was on the roster of a Canadian junior team, and we all know the NCAA has got some weird, stupid rules. Um, so he is ineligible until early December. I would expect to see him push for some decent playing time the second half of the season. I would be surprised if you see here and him and Shearhorn pretty much split series um, unless somebody really wins the job in the second half of the year. As we've seen with Eric Shearhorn in the past, he's either great or not so good. I mean, he can, he can flash leather and pull a shutout and look amazing, and then he can give up three of the weakest goals you've ever seen the next night. So consistency has always been the problem with him. Um, so hopefully if he actually gets a little solid competition 
uh, in that from another gopher goalie who's not just a practice goalie who's actually listed as a second goalie in the roster like they've had the last two seasons, that maybe he'll be a little more focused and we can see more of those great performances rather than the ones where you go, what the hell are you doing? How many Canadian juniors players can we have before we can no longer make fun of UND? Well, I'm going to go with one, you know. Minnesota, you still have the, the the fan base that, you know, wants the original Pride on Ice, Doug Woog, all Minnesota Gopher team. I think that's long gone. As you've seen, Minnesota has branched off into more of the internationals. They've got uh, Leon Bristat and Eric Halla, uh, who have played from, from Finland and Sweden in the last few years. Um, you know, Robson's a Canadian. Um, but the vast majority of the Minnesota roster is still going to be Minnesotans. Um, they've got a few players... Uh, Brandon McManus is a freshman who played at Shattuck, so there's your Minnesota connection, but he's originally from California. Um, Scott Reedy is another freshman this year who's, uh, I guess he's originally from Minnesota, so scratch that. But they are starting to branch out and trying to find some of those players from, you know, the non-traditional U.S. hockey hotbeds. Uh, Jason Zucker, who played at Denver, now plays for the Minnesota Wild. He's from Las Vegas. So you're seeing a lot of these club teams in Southern California, Texas, Las Vegas, um, who are really starting to produce some great players who are making it in college hockey and, and in the NHL. For the women, what is your assessment of what's not working right now for them? You know, it's it's a good question because everybody thought they weren't going to be quite as good this year because they're missing their three best players. Uh, Kelly Panic, who's in with the U.S. national team trying to make their Olympic roster, and then, and then the Potomac sisters, Sarah, uh, who would have been a, a junior, and then Amy, who would have been a freshman this year, both in with the Canadian national team trying to make Olympic rosters, but they're all forwards. So you understand that that might hurt some of your scoring and things like that, but what's really been weak this year for the Gophers has been their defense. Um, Their defenders have been just getting torched by opposing offenses. And so, um, you know, the question is, is what can you do to fix that? The problem is they've had some injury issues. Taylor Williamson got injured in the first game. Um, and she's going to be out for significant time, it sounds like. So Sophie Sarginski, who plays defense, is now up playing forward so that they can run four full lines. Uh, but because of their depth issues, they only have five defensemen right there. So you're playing, you know, basically two pairs of defensemen with one sub for pretty much the entire game. So not only are you running into players getting tired at the end of the game, but they've got a couple players... Um, who were sophomores this year, who didn't even really see that much time as freshmen last year, really were sort of those swing sixth and seventh defensemen uh, that are now having to play every night. And it's, it's sort of showing that they haven't quite developed in the players the Gophers need them to be on defense. Do you still see the Gophers having a chance to, to pull it together and make a run to the Frozen Four, which is in Minneapolis this year? Or have you started to scale back your expectations more as a, they'll work the kinks out, but it just won't quite come together kind of a year. Yeah, you know, I, I'm starting to get a little skeptical. Um, they've got a lot of things to figure out here. Um, now, the, the team has talent, and they'll still be a top three or four team in the WCHA, but, um, you know, the the sad thing is this would have been the year where if they had been their typical team, they wouldn't have had to leave their home rink in the playoffs at all, uh, playing at Ritter for the first round of the WCHA playoffs, then the Frozen face off the playoff tournament is at Ritter. Um, then you have your first NCAA semifinal game, which the top four teams host. And then the Frozen Four this year is at Ritter. Um, so it's going to be kind of disappointing if the Gophers don't pull it together and, and play in front of their home crowd. But, uh, 
you know, they've got a lot of things to work out. I'm not going to say it's not going to happen, but uh, it's not looking great as of the first couple of weeks. But uh, ask me again as we get into more December and January, and then I'll have a, a really better feeling on where where the end of their season goals may lie. I realized as Andy was talking that we did not do our traditional what should you be drinking Um the excitement that is some of the hockey news combined with that we're about to move into football, I think it's a perfectly good time to, to do that. Uh, so what should we be drinking this week? Uh, U Street? Whatever is your sad shower beer. <laughs> I don't know that I've ever had a sad shower beer. I've had plenty of shower beers, but I've never tried to classify one as a sad shower beer before. You know, I had seen in Arrested Development where Tobias is just crying in the shower. Yeah. If you gave him a beer, that's what you should be drinking. Andy, what do you got? Uh, I'm not a fan of them, which makes it even more appropriate, but I think after the last couple of weeks, the uh, the most bitter IPA you can find is probably a good choice. Just to leave that bitter taste in your mouth for the next few weeks because i think uh well things they have to get better right and if they can't they can always be bitter yeah that's right i pulled a dad joke all right i'm not i'm not even going to try to top my own dad joke we're going to go on to football purdue it's a thing it happened alex and i talked about it a little bit so uh at the risk of making this a very andy centric podcast to start i'm going to let you just kind of give us your quick feelings about uh about purdue my quick feelings about Purdue. Well, um, it was ugly. Let's just put it that way. Uh, the Gophers found a few things in the running game, which was nice, and then kind of rode ahead to throw the ball, and that got ugly in a hurry. Um, four turnovers in the first half, great, but only turning them into 14 points, missing so many opportunities that come back to haunt it's like the old metrodome sign walks will haunt well not converting on turnovers were haunt and it ended up showing in the second half when purdue got their two best defensive players back and suddenly uh shut down the gopher running game a little bit more than they did in the first half and then all of a sudden our defense once again at the end of the game just like the uh the maryland game where the red sea parted and and ty johnson took it right up the middle untouched uh when purdue take two plays to score the game-winning touchdown there on that last drive four four plays but you know that's such so substantially better i was watching on my uh, tablet at that point because the hotel i was staying in in madison wisconsin uh visiting my in-laws does not have espn news of course so once they transferred it from espn 2 to espn news i was watching i'd watch espn on my tablet trying to not throw it across the room so i may have missed a few plays here or there but uh yeah, you know, it's it's just another, you'd blame it on a young team, but we didn't have that many young players out there. You know, these are the sort of things, I guess it's a new system, but it's it's just frustrating to watch us miss and squander so many opportunities that, you know, you feel teams a couple of years ago wouldn't necessarily let through their fingers. And, and now the question is, like I said, is it just adapting to the new system or you just having mental lapses or what? I don't have the answer to that, but it, it's frustrating seeing two arguably winnable games just uh, go down the drain in the last few plays of the, the last couple of games. Street, has anything uh, in your mind changed since we kind of broke things down on Saturday night? I don't know if anything's changed. What potentially has changed is 
prior to this weekend, I was generally under the point of view that people, when they heard P.J. Flex say he didn't care that much about wins, understood what that meant in a coach-speak context, as opposed to thinking that P.J. Flex just like doesn't care about winning. This is really strange to me. It's strange to me for so many reasons, but I'll pick a couple. The first reason it's strange to me is P.J. Fleck literally gets paid to win football games. That is his job. And I understand his job has some other things that are required, but like basically if you want to boil his job description down, it's win football games. So clearly P.J. has to care for a financial reason. Secondly, P.J. Fleck spent several years winning football games. The one year where he only won one, then we won more, then he went to the Cotton Bowl. So, but the third thing is, this is the part that, that's actually weird to me. Most of the things that Minnesotans dislike about P.J. Fleck is supposedly that he's not genuine. You know, he's like a charlatan, or he's just trying to sell stuff, or he's going out and he's saying things and he's not one of us, he's foreign or whatever. But normally if you have that view in your head, then that should apply to like everything he says. It's just super weird that like the one thing that's like obviously not true is the one thing is like, no, 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 no guys, that's the real one. He cut, he cut through, he was doing some real truth telling right here when he said that he didn't actually care about winning and losing. I got him. Honestly, that's that's the part that's the part that's gotten really confused. And it's also really confusing because there's this sort of like weird desire for like this old coaching staff, uh, you know, like a bunch of winners they were and, and a view that uh, because of the way they've lost these two games in the Big Ten, that somehow the old coaching staff had none of the same problems, particularly the offensive coaching staff. The Govers struggled to run the football as opposed to last year when they were, I don't know, the second coming of Glenn Mason or something, as opposed to what they actually were, hot garbage. This is what is confusing. That's, that's what I've gotten over the weekend. I haven't gotten more annoyed at the team. I've gotten more annoyed at the reaction of the team. So that's what I've got for you, Chris. You've made U Street very angry, Gophers fans. This is on you. We have to deal with this in the Slack chat now. And it's your fault. You should, you're bad and you should feel bad about yourselves if you're one of the people Street's talking about. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, me, I don't have a ton to add. I will, the saga of my missing uh, favorite hat, um, Ross, the kind uh, Purdue sophomore, did hunt for my hat for me on Sunday, as I expected, because it's, an, uh, you know, school administration with legal and compliance concerns they did not hand over a ladder to a sophomore to go climb on top of the concession stand to look for it um so i do not have my hat back but ross is still a cool cool straight up dude uh who who did his best for me and again that summarizes my weekend good people good food good time frustrating game all right, Michigan State. Let's not let's not spend any more time on Purdue. Michigan State night game. That's exciting. Full afternoon of tailgating into the evening. That's exciting. Potential rain. Not exciting. Michigan State being good and not hot, uh, hot garbage like last season. Also not exciting. Normally, this is where we turn to Iowa Gopher for a really in-depth preview. Um, 
he unfortunately had other obligations this evening. So I'm just going to let you guys uh, give me some thoughts on what you're looking for from either the Gophers or from Michigan State coming into this game. Uh, Street? Well, I suppose if we're trying to take Blake's spot, I should talk something about the Cleveland Indians, I guess, right now. So Cleveland, Cleveland, Cleveland. Woo! It's so exciting! I am in a city that still may or may not have a river on fire. Yay! As far as Michigan State goes, this is, this is going to be weird. And I recognize it's going to be weird. Uh, I, unlike Blake, you should definitely read the preview that he will put uh, this week for Michigan State, which will be insightful. And deep into I don't give deeply insightful comments on opponents, but I did look up their five factors. And while I've been known to be somewhat skeptical of the five-factor methodology, two things jump out at me. One, this team isn't tremendously efficient or tremendously explosive. They're 77 in the country in efficiency. They're 96 in explosiveness. Now, granted, I believe this stuff still has some of last year baked in, so it's not purely on its own. Is that right? I think we have one more week before it goes to full 2017, yeah. But that's, it's mostly this season, and honestly, that's not all that great. They're also um, wildly lucky in terms of their turnover margin. So the expectation for their turnovers is, uh, the turnover margin is actually negative, and their actual is a little bit higher, but their expected turnover margin is 107th in the country. So it seems like this is a team that, weirdly, Minnesota might actually match up rather well against. They don't have a tremendously good offense. It's not particularly explosive. It's probably rather one-dimensional, and they turn the ball over a lot. That's kind of exciting. So so what you're saying is, is that a fully healthy Minnesota squad, the squad we had, you know, early in the year, would have a legitimate chance of being six and zero after this weekend. Yeah, yeah. I just had to, I had to I had to take it to negative town because that's what I hear when you just gave me. What I'm also what I'm also hearing is that their much better defense uh, will continue to give us problems, and it'll really come down to just like the last two weeks whether our offense can. Uh, overcome that and score points. Yeah, I also think if you were a impartial fan, I would be somewhat confused why you were watching this game because you have so many other things you could be doing on Saturday night. It seems to me like this will probably be a defensive slugfest. I can get behind a defensive slugfest as long as we win it. Andy, thoughts going into Michigan State? Yeah, you know, I'm going to agree, or sorry, I'm going to disagree a little bit with the defensive slugfest. I think if our defense was at full speed and we had everybody healthy, then yeah, I think, you know, we don't match up terribly uh, unfavorably with this. However, as I'm stealing from a little bit of Iowa Gophers preview that he's partially written, um, Michigan State's offense seems to run around their quarterback, Brian Lurkey. Um, He is their, obviously, their leading passer, also their leading rusher. Um, which, you know, our, our linebackers are going to have to be really good in contain, which, you know, not that big a deal. But here's the part where it starts scaring me, is that uh, Michigan State apparently has 12 players who have caught uh, a ball this season, and so they have depth in receiving options. You know where we don't have depth? That would be our secondary right now. Um, so I just think that they're not even going to worry about rushing the ball, and they'll let the Gophers, you know, blitz them all they want, but considering we have two 
scholarship cornerbacks, or might even be defensive backs. I guess cornerbacks go in right now. I have a bad feeling that they're just going to pick us apart and, you know, take whatever whatever hole we leave them to them because, frankly, we're not going to be able to keep up with their receivers. Um, but, you know, weird things happen in night games against Michigan State. Everybody remembers the Halloween game where, you know, the Dewan Bennett immaculate reception yes catch that pushed the Gophers to the win. So uh, I'm not going to say it might not happen, but I think you're going to have to have some really weird bounces and some really fluke turnovers for the Gophers to have a shot on Saturday night. Wasn't that also the game that Jed Fish came out with that horrendously, stupidly unbalanced formation? Like the the dumbest formation I've ever seen, and it got like a negative five yards. Do you mean future old Miss coach, Jed Fish? No, 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 no. F- future Oregon State coach, Jed Fish. Can he coach both? He is such an offensive genius. <laughs> and uh, in case you're wondering why we're back on that sarcasm, he got called out by another national writer as being an offensive genius again, which still doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, Michigan State. You know, honestly, I am looking forward to this weekend, but it has nothing to do with the game whatsoever. I get to come in early on Friday. Uh, Andy and I are going to figure out some fun stuff to do during the day. We have uh, the behind-the-scenes tour at TCF Bank Stadium that night. We've got hockey that night. We've got, you know, a night game, which means a whole afternoon of tailgating. We're going to do tunnel team uh, before the game. Like, I got all sorts of stuff to be excited about. If the game turns out great, awesome. If not, this is just going to be a great example of the post I'm still hoping to write this week that you have to find other things to balance your life out with sports, especially Minnesota sports. And I strongly recommend people do that because you know what? College sports are meant to be fun. And if you can't have fun tailgating with your friends and you can't have fun doing cool experiences that you wouldn't otherwise get to do unless, you know, Andy was a really good season ticket holder for hockey – I don't know what to tell you. You got you got to find those experiences. I'm going to keep hammering this home until I feel like people are getting it. Have fun, even when we're losing. It's just football. My worst fear is we're going to be sitting in the tunnel uh, about 20 minutes before kickoff, and some random gopher assistant is going to run over and basically say, yeah, you two, now, pads, because we don't have any other bodies, so let's go. Um, and I don't want to die because Michigan State will kill me on Saturday. So, you know, that's that's my that's my biggest fear right now. Dude, why is that a worry? We get thrown out on special teams. Have you watched? They let special teamers have all sorts of fun. They play the hype music, and they get to dance around and shit before they throw their bodies and almost break something. We get to dance around. Hey, assistant coaches, I'm the guy who's like Wozniak, only not in shape, and has even worse hands. You want me to dance around. You don't want me to hit people or tackle or catch or do anything that requires skill, but you want me to dance around. It'll look funny. The fans will love it. Just saying. That's that's my plug. All right. U.S. men's national team loses the Trinidad in today. See, I can't even. This is the game they should have won so badly that I can't even pronounce the opponent correctly on the fly. They lost to Trinidad and Tobago 2-1. to one. By losing... And by Honduras and Panama winning, the United States is eliminated from the World Cup. They will not be in the World Cup in 2018. 
This is extremely embarrassing, and it's a big deal. I'm going to quote Grant Wall here, one of his tweets. The United States has been eliminated from World Cup 2018, the most surreal and embarrassing night in U.S. soccer history. That's undoubtedly true. There will be people much better qualified to spend entire podcasts talking about just how horrendous this is. My question for you guys is, is this more surreal and embarrassing than the worst Minnesota football experiences we've had ever? Is there anything that tops this? And I'm going to turn it over to Street. Yes. So, so much yes. What qualifies as worse than this? Well, in terms of surreal moments, if I'm, if I'm thinking just in terms of inexplicable, there's the Brewster falling on his face, Northwestern, which we as a blog have loved forever. But if I'm going to be serious, the worst is all the punter has to do is kick the ball out of the back of the end zone against Wisconsin. And for that reason, you only needed half a yard. Had Lawrence Maroney, had Marion Barber, had the best rushing attack in the nation. Only need half a yard. Let's punt it. That'll go well. It's not like the entire the entire stadium was sort of aware that there was this weird moment. But even then, and this this I suppose is probably a difference. I don't think anyone like realistically expected, like even with all the absurdity that the United States wasn't gonna like come back and beat Trinidad and Tobago. So maybe this is a difference. In that game, as the punt team lined up, I think every Minnesota football fan had this serious like something terrible is about to happen. So I don't know if if it was like the most disappointing and embarrassing thing or in a surreal sense, because you could kinda knew it. But otherwise, that one by far. Andy, do you uh, do you agree? Do you have anything else that you'd want to attack on as a, a moment worse than the U.S. not making the World Cup? You know that that one's pretty bad. Um, you know, from a personal level, because you know I'm I, I'm not a soccer bro like several of the other people you'll find on the blog. So you know, I I find it more humorous to watch everybody's reaction. Which I'm sure a lot of people could sum up to the reaction had Twitter exist would be the uh, the 03 Michigan game, that that one pain is uh is painful for me just because of my situation that I was watching from a computer lab in London, England on my 21st birthday after coming back from the bars, passing out for a couple hours, and then waking up to watch the I started watching the game cast at the start of the fourth quarter. So, which, by the way, was, uh, if we're recording this tonight, would have been 14 years ago tonight. Um, yeah, that don't you love how those memories just stick with you? So uh, I'll, I'll compare it to that just for, you know, shits and giggles. Oh, there goes our, our uh, explicit rating on iTunes. But, uh, you know, it's one hell of a choke job, <laughs> I'll have to say. Um Trinidad and Tobago, to, to steal a couple jokes I've been seeing online, you know, maybe if we were just playing Trinidad or Tobago, but they had the unfair advantage because we were playing two-on-one. That's a that's a dad joke there for all of you who, who didn't get that one. And uh, just, just to combine, to see how bad this was, uh, stealing again from, from Reddit College Football Online, the uh, population of Trinidad and Tobago, the entire population, 
would fit into all 14 SEC stadiums, plus Michigan, plus Ohio State, plus Western Michigan. So think about that. 300-some million compared to 1,353,895 people. And we just lost to them to get eliminated from the biggest soccer tournament in the world. Whoops. Oh, man. Actually, when they just barely won 10-9, to like the Mesa, it's North Dakota State, right? That one, if I actually, if I think about it, like the most surreal thing, because I wanted them to lose. Like there, are, there aren't too many, there aren't too many times where you're watching your own team and you legitimately go, "I hope we lose right now." Back, I think it was in two thousand eight. It's it's one of the recent Olympics, and it's like women badminton, like doubles. There's this strange situation where both teams attempt to lose on purpose because if they lost, they would get into the better bracket and so would have a better chance of winning the medals. Oh God, I remember that. Yeah, and there is uh, there is a there is this whole thing. Uh, it's actually a fascinating video to watch on YouTube. You can find it, and there's a lot of cool stuff about the strategy component behind it. But I just remember thinking, if you were a fan of either one of those teams, you were probably totally with them. You realized really quickly, and then you were actively cheering for them to lose. I was actively cheering for Minnesota to lose in that game because it was such a, a such an embarrassment in so many different phases that I hoped they had lost. So the most Minnesotan thing that they possibly could do was to block a was to block a kick for no reason to win ten to nine. That might be the most surreal experience that I've had as a Minnesota fan. Speaking of North Dakota and North Dakota related things, uh, Christopher Gates on uh, Daily Norseman uh, brought up that uh, the whole duck duck. Gray Duck uh, Vikings celebration from Kyle Rudolph and endorsed Duck Duck Goose uh, because of his time living in North Dakota. Uh, Ted Glover uh, earlier in the evening uh, had uh, in, you know endorsed the correct way, Duck Duck Gray Duck, and had called uh, anyone who disagreed a Philistine. My question to you, is it Duck Duck Gray Duck or are you a Philistine? Andy? Uh, I'm pretty sure you know that we're all Minnesota natives here, so we all do it the correct way. I don't know what this duck-duck random bird other than a duck that's gray crap is, but we just keep that keep that crap to the other 49 states. Take, take it away from us. We do it correct here. You go off and do your own thing. Street, I assume you two have the understanding of what is right in this world? Yeah, wouldn't you just start by being like, hey, there's a goose here? <laughs> this is the thing that I never really got about Duck Duck Goose. Like, Duck Duck Grey Duck makes sense because you all have one common animal and you are expressing some difference. It's like kind of offensive that we're like, just because this goose, this duck is a different color, it needs to be taken out in something. I don't honestly know if I like the politics of that. But I don't, I don't understand why there would be any situation where it's like, hey, just a bunch of ducks sitting here with this random goose. See, my argument duck, duck, duck. for duck, duck, gray duck, besides simply saying it's the way you're supposed to say it, has been uh, based on the fact that it opens up so much more tactically with the game because you can just do, you know, duck, duck, 
color, and then duck. And you can even get sneaky and say duck, duck, green duck. And you can do all sorts of things like that. I think tactically it just makes the game more exciting to have it function that way versus, because I mean, the only way to do it with duck, duck, goose is you have to be like other animals that have no part in anything. Duck, duck, fox and duck, duck, you know, elephant. And that's just stupid. So is it concerning to anyone that Coach Fleck has not learned what Duck Duck Grey Duck is yet? That was clear from the the presser today that he he didn't actually know that that was such a huge thing. He covered it pretty well and made it funny, but should we be worried? Because uh, personally, if it comes down between like, oh, the offense is struggling and he doesn't know Duck Duck Grey Duck as a reason to be concerned about his tenure, I'm more concerned about Duck Duck Grey Duck. First, he doesn't doesn't care about wins and losses. Secondly, he doesn't care about Duck Duck Grey Duck. I don't know. I don't know. This five games in, I'm getting really worried about this tenure. He he is a Chicago Blackhawks fan too, so you know we have one other thing. Uh, screw it, fire him, bring back Mason. Let's go. <laughs> and now you know why Andy has the history with hockey. He saved he saved the joking nuclear hot take of the day for the Blackhawks. Well played. Well played, Andy. Did you ever play Duck Duck Grey Duck with the one kid who just kept saying duck? Like, would just go around. So you go around the circle like three or four times. Yes. His name was Todd. Nobody liked Todd. Was it if his name actually was Todd? This will further my theory that the names Todd and Chad are actually predictive. His name was not actually Todd. I, I think it's. I think it should be. Honestly, Alex. In tying into your theory, the fact that Todd is the name that I came up with for the fake name should still fit the theory of it's predictive. I absolutely agree. Also, for the, the Todds listening, we, we seriously, we don't have anything against you personally, but we've all met some Todds in our life that were not awesome. So I don't have, a, I don't have anything against you personally. You just suck. And that is our officially our nuclear hot take of the day, right there. Presented to you by Fallout 4. You got a middle name. <laughs> Street out here. Don't go by Todd. God, unless it's Chad. In which case, like, go back to your parents and be like, what, what did I do wrong in a previous <laughs> life? No, and actually, that's a fair question because seriously, if your name is Todd, Chad, you know, whatever your last name is, that's that's not a good first middle name combination. Probably like Duchamp or something. <laughs> nah, it's it's a it's 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 a French name. It is question time again. I swear, one day we're gonna get a name for this bit. On the other hand, that might actually be the bit at this point. Me asking for a name. If you have a name, submit it. It's going to have to be pretty darn good, though, to get over the fact that I've now decided me asking for a name is the bit. But uh, question one, Connor Rhoda, on a scale of, well, Tom Brady to United States national team not making the World Cup, where do you think he's going to do for uh, a performance on Saturday? Oh, and I'm sorry, I should have directed that to somebody. We're going to go to street to start. You know that video of Tom Brady at the Combine with his shirt off? No. So it's like that famous picture of him chilling. It's like his six-round pre-whatever. He looks like gangling terrible. If he does better than that, I'll be pleased on your scale. Okay. Uh, Andy? 
Let's see. On a scale from Tom Brady to U.S. national team, I'm going to go with... He's going to do about as well as Sam Bradford playing quarterback for the Vikings last night. So that would be poorly. I don't think uh, I don't think Mr. Rhoda is going to fare very well. And uh, I think whether P.J. Fleck wants to play him or not, you're going to see Demry Croft in the second half Saturday night. And then the question will be is, does he play well enough that we get to see him going forward? Or is he just going to throw in the towel and give up and try Tanner Morgan against Illinois, which I think he doesn't want to do, but he also realizes he can't lose out the rest of the season. So if he decided that's his best option, that's what we're going to see. Question two, now that the United States will not be in the World Cup, who are you going to follow as your number one team? Street? Like I was doing before the United States was knocked out of the World Cup, I will be cheering for the Three Lions, which is the team that I have supported since my birth. You were a bloody monarchist, and you are now banned from the podcast. I actually, I'm actually a hardcore anti-monarchist, but I, I accept the ban. All right, you're unbanned. We still have time. We need more talking. Why are you, uh, why are you all about England? Uh, well, technically. Uh, for a period of time, I was an English an English citizen, so I have the I have birth reasons uh, for that fact. Also, when I was growing up, uh, the United States was super garbage, and since I'm a University of Minnesota fan, I figured, what other team comes in with unrealistic expectations and manages to disappoint on a regular basis? And you cannot get better than the three lines. So, are you a dual citizen? Do you have both passports? I do not. Just a U.S. citizen. Are, are you eligible to get both passports? Because my understanding is having two passports is pretty sweet. Having two passports is pretty sweet if you're trying to get through airport lines. Otherwise, not super helpful. I am no no longer eligible for another passport. Your parents uh, did the diplomatic equivalent of naming you Todd then. They should have made sure you had both passports. Oh, well, they did. I, I gave one up after a while. So I, I totted myself on that front. Dude, you should never tod yourself. That This is good life advice. Don't tod yourself. Yes, everyone. If you have the opportunity for two passports, take them and don't tod yourself. This is what you're learning today on the SkyU podcast. Uh, Andy, who are you going to be supporting since the U.S. shat themselves? Uh, does uh, Lichtenstein have a chance? Uh, first of all, I don't think that's how you pronounce it, although I'm not entirely sure. I'm not going to make fun of you because I'm not 100% sure. San Marino, uh, some small European country, <laughs> that, you know, some miracle Hoosiers run, you know, from... Uh, if you want a miracle Hoosiers run, Egypt made the World Cup. And, they, you know, they have pyramids. No? Yeah. How, how, about, how about Iceland? Let's go with Iceland in the skier, because I like skier. So, you know, maybe we'll root for, for Iceland so we can get... Maybe if Iceland wins the World Cup, they'll they'll give a free cup of skier to everybody in the world to celebrate or something like that. See, what I the, the team that I wish I could support more readily, although I think they've probably aged out a couple of the guys that made it so hard to support them. Holland. So I'm uh, quite a bit of me is Dutch. And we hosted an exchange student from Holland my senior year, um, and Shock's a cool guy, and I've spent time there, and 
met some really cool people. But damn it, if Holland didn't didn't for the longest time play just the ugliest, dirtiest style of soccer, like oh, we're just going to drop kick you in the chest and then act like nothing happened. And it was a perfectly legitimate smell. Okay, it was an illegitimate strategy, but it worked well for them. And it just was like, ah, oh, God, I have such a hard time making you a secondary team, even though I love your colors. Do you happen to know Alex? Or are they still playing that uh, on the edge of dirty, dancing into dirty style of play? Uh, N- Nigel, Nigel de Jong is no longer on the team, so probably not. I'm a huge fan of watching the Dutch play because the Dutch have, shall we say, a contentious relationship with defense. And it seemed for an extended period of time that their other strategy was, we're going to give up about six goals, but it's fine because we're going to score eight. And when I watch teams that I do not have a specific rooting interest for, my main rooting interest is no defense. This applies strongly in college football. It's why the Baylor-Oklahoma game was always going to be way better than the LSU-Alabama game. Ooh, 9-6. Look at this defensive struggle. Nah, just like everyone sucks. Give me offense. And that's what the Dutch provided. And this is also why you're... How did you describe Purdue? Irritatingly competent? This is why you. This is why Jeff Brom is vex, vexing you because they could become good on offense. Yeah, they're obnoxiously fun to watch. They, they, they're. I, I think people have this view. I mean, I know we're doubling back. I think people have this view that because Purdue's been terrible for so long, that Minnesota was supposed to beat them badly, which was sort of strange because they were three and a half dogs, which indicates that this is a toss-up game, and the health and a bunch of other stuff. But yeah, Jeff Brome runs a fun offense. This is the thing, like if you're Purdue and you're in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and you got beat to put spaceships on your uniform by UCF, then you should at least be fun to watch on offense. That, I think, is the true legacy of Joe Tiller. It seems as if Jeff Brome is doing that. Predictions for Saturday. Andy? Uh, it's going to be wet. You're going to make me stay a lot longer than I probably want to stay. But maybe it'll affect the passing game a little bit of Michigan State. Um, But I think our depth in the secondary is just way too limited right now that in the end it's not going to matter. I'll go Sparty 27, Gophers 10. Andy's out here stealing my prediction. That's what I'm going to say too. Street. Michigan State 12, Minnesota 4. We're going to get two safeties? Or wait, yes. wait, or are we going to get the field goal and the, uh, well, actually, I don't even know if it's a rule in college football. In the NFL, there's actually a one-point safety, but nobody's ever done it. I feel reasonably good that the way they're going to score is going to come from their defense. I unfortunately don't see Minnesota winning this football game. At which point, uh, let's get weird. And therefore, I'm hoping for multiple safeties. It's as good a prediction as any. And that does it for another edition of the Sky U Podcast. Thanks again to Andy and U Street for joining me. And thanks again to you for listening. Sky U Ma, go Gophers, row the boat. Go Gophers, row the boat.